you're very welcome to Kicking Match. My name is Peter Cinnamon and this is a weekly podcast all about the Irish League. A league which can finally welcome in ex-international Kyle Lafferty. Well, sit yourself down, sir. Yes, memes can indeed become reality and on this occasion, Linfield will hope to benefit. Will the man be able to score the goals to propel the South Belfast side to glory or will their title rivals have something to say about it? This weekend, Lorne outshone the Lucent Lurgan Blues. Crews showed that they only take and not give points away at home and Colerain and Glentoran were great on the eye but their result was even better in the eyes of the Blues and Co near the summit. Can the Reds bounce back and is Carrick the only team actually trying to finish in 7th place this season? Let's chat about all those things and more right now. Tradition tells me I should be shoehorning in a Super Bowl reference here or there. It is kind of relevant. It is of the moment. And look, I did actually watch it. Uh, It was Cracker. Wrong sport, though. I do have lots of things to talk about when it comes to that Rihanna performance. But we'll park it there. Not going to follow trends. As if producing an Irish League podcast wasn't obtuse enough. Hope you're having a lovely Valentine's Day week. I'm going to pretend I bought myself flowers. If you want to show me a bit of love and affection, you can uh, give me a bit of a like, give me a follow, have a bit of a chat with me online on social media. Maybe you can tell me what you think of this week's episode. Should we get down to it? He's an online sports commentator and writer. He's one half of the Lauren FC podcast, the Invercast. And if somebody butchers your team's reserve keepers, second name over the tannoy, at Inver Park, this is the man to play. Long story short, it's a very big first time welcome to Mark Strange. How are you, Peter? Nice things. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you. We have done it. We have found somebody from part of the Lorne crew. You know, I've been going through some of the old usual characters, you know, and mm. it's been a great chance. I've always wanted over the past few weeks thinking, what teams have I not been able to get? in depth scratch beneath the surface and what's there and i've got you a man uh, who is really involved in the club right now a completely different club many would say from many many moons ago you are a recent follower but right now on valentine's day in the year 2023 year of our lord lord <laughs> fc are top of the pile how are you feeling nervous excited dizzy all of the above, I think, probably is the best answer. Um, I know you, you have to be excited, you know, that everyone, I know it's been said over and over again this season with the Irish League, but, like, I don't I don't think there's another league in Europe, certainly a top division anywhere in Europe, that is as tight as the Irish League. At the minute, whether you're first or whether you're fifth, you're still in the thick of things, really. Everyone talks about the Bundesliga, you know, it's so tight this year, but the Irish League is, it's incredible. You know, there's, like I said, there's five, six teams, any of them right now, if any of them come out on top at the end of the season. You probably you wouldn't be overly surprised, but yeah, to be sitting top, I mean, it's where you want to be, isn't it? Whether it's you know August or February, that's where you want to be. I feel like I have very short memory that I'm even posing this question, but in all realities, yes, you wanted to be a contender at the start of the season. You're one of the few full time teams. We all know about Kenny and his investment in the club, but was winning the title how much of that? was a priority or was it very much a hopeful wish a bit more progress is what we're after probably i would say somewhere in between maybe probably more leaning towards the hopeful wish side um if i'm being honest like we said we, we kind of everyone knew at the start of seeing the glens and, and linfield would obviously be up there and cliftonville did so well so it was it was more you know i think as long as we we're taking a step forward from last season obviously the past two years getting into europe via the the playoff I think a lot of chat at the start of the season was if I could get into Europe automatically, you know, without having to go through the playoff, that would be seen as a, a great step forward. But you look at the side we have, some of the top talents in the Irish League there. So, yeah, to be, to be up there at the top of it, I think, is like a realistic thing at this time. But to say whether that was a target at the start, I don't think I would quite go that far. What are you seeing somewhat behind the scenes within that club yes you're doing a lot of the front-facing media stuff you're saying these players names when they score the goals sometimes at the at the matches but what have you seen as the real progress do you think uh, from kenny and, and the team there 
Tiernan Lynch, has it been a, a, a steady progression or have you seen over the past maybe 18 months uh, somewhat of a stars in the rise, a push to go, let's win now? Have you seen a change even in your, your short time at the club? Absolutely. I think a lot of it comes down, you said behind the scenes, that it's kind of the, the club culture. Really, obviously being full-time helps. You know, the boys are around each other, you know, every day and everything. But, you know, you can really see this group of a group of guys as well as having that, you know, cohesion on the pitch. You know, they're all mates off the pitch, things like that there. So it's it's a whole, not just a whole club effort with Lauren, you know, it's a, a whole town effort. You know, I, I'm originally from Antrim myself, you know, so I don't, you know, there's no obviously no Irish League clubs in Antrim, but um, whenever I moved to Lauren first, it, you know, I obviously I knew of Lauren before coming here, but it blew me away even, you know, how everybody, every single person in the town gets behind the club. You know, whether you're a, you know, a regular match goer or not, you know, flags and shop windows, car air freshener time, things like that. So there's definitely a lot of clubs within Ashley don't quite have. Lorne is a clear example of setting the investment to the side, how innovation is absolutely key here when it comes to football and clubs here in Northern Ireland. And it also shows you that just because it was a certain way doesn't mean that it's the way it's always going to go. Because if any club is to grow, it doesn't matter if you're Linfield or Dundella, whatever team you want to pick, even in the top league, right? Even the ones who have big history, what would be considered really healthy fan bases, big teams outside of Belfast in particular, you're not going to have the same 800 people or so turn up to your games in the year 2006 and the year 2056. You all know what I'm saying here. Every team has to grow. And Lorne has grown. And you've drawn people in, yes, from the fantastic product you have on the pitch. But we all look at the, the schemes, the initiatives, bringing young people into the club. Derry City, talking to people that are up there and connected. Yes, it's a different league, but... They've talked to me when I've asked, what is really behind this apparent growth for them? And, you know, they've really highlighted the connection with the community and particularly going for young people. And yes, you're not sitting here, Mark, saying, I remember when they were playing PSNI on a wet, windy Tuesday in 2002 and there was no floodlights and we only had eight players, whatever, right? And I think... We all, because I feel as the Irish League is about that. And I always try with this podcast not to be about that. Everything's new uh, and everything is about bringing new fans in. Just because you didn't support a team when you're 15 doesn't mean you're not going to follow them now. For yourself, were you always a football soccer man? Were you in love with any of your sports before you got drawn to the Inverreds? Well, yeah, football always my thing. And I playing it wide, no. Um, I played rugby when I was younger up until about three, four years ago and hurt my knee and that's when it went away from rugby and went more towards the media thing, media stuff with Lauren. But growing up, um, my dad and I have always gone to Northern Ireland matches. I think I was seven. I'm 26 now. I was seven my first match. He's burdened me supporting Oldham Athletic, would you believe? That's my that's my English team. So <laughs> that's a, a real punishment on that. Um, that. That's a dodgy inheritance right there. It I really think. is. It really is, you know. Um I think I saw an old air fresher in a car the other day and near somewhere so they couldn't believe it. There's somebody else. Um, but yeah, I grew, I, said I grew up in Antrim, so I would have went to I would have went to see like the Balmina or Crusaders whenever I was younger. But say so I moved to Lauren about three years ago now, and it sucks you in. You know whether like I said earlier, you know about the whole time getting behind it. You just as a football fan of Lauren, you can't not get behind it. You know, obviously now I'm part of the, the media team here, you know, and I'm sure even if I wasn't a part of the media team, I'd probably be in for every week anyway. You know, as a season ticket holder, it really, it really does suck you in that way. You're not the first person to say that to me, uh, that they are from a different part of that general area around Greater Belfast and how Lauren it just seems very, very attractive to them, almost like this somewhat of a Phoenix club in a way for them. They're looking at it as this new way that you can almost imprint your own personality. And let's be let's be fair, not only when it comes to performances on the pitch, but the pitch itself and the surroundings, Inver Park, is completely different to what I would remember 10, 15 
you know, even five years ago. It's completely revolutionized and it's almost a new club. And with that, you have these new experiences. And with brilliant success that you have, sitting top of the table, getting into Europe last season, all of a sudden, the honeymoon somewhat whimpers, that ends, an expectation sets in. Is it fair to say that manager Tiernan Lynch had something to prove this year? Yeah, yeah, it probably is. I, w- I would say probably after the European defeat in the summer. That's like the, un- the unspoken thing around our, the media team. You don't, you don't, we don't speak about that game. You know, it was that after that one, there was a lot of people around Larne, supporters and, and people who are not associated with the club who maybe saw Tiernan as being under pressure. But, you know, Kenny backed them, the board backed them. You know, don't just mean financially, but just you know, Tiernan's, Tiernan's our man. And to come out then this league season and be sitting here and continuing that form right into February. As I said, still plenty of season to go, but you know, sitting top of the table in the mix. I think over the summer too, losing some popular figures, you know, like David McDade and Bench to name a few, you know, who moved on and around that time, you know, and that wasn't long after St. Joseph's tie. And to be honest, over the summer maybe it wasn't a positive atmosphere, an optimistic atmosphere maybe is the word I'm looking for, around a lot of fans at the club. And I don't know whether the players or manager twigged on that or not, but they they've definitely come out this year and and shown that it was, you know, they did, they really did. They kept on, you know, putting in the rear view mirror and that they really did, you know, and that's still arguing that. Big part on what this title challenge is built on is that strong defence, something which I feel as though actually doesn't get recognised enough. I'm probably as guilty as anybody here. I've been talking a lot over the past few weeks that perhaps the goals are drying up and that's why you've had the odd stutter in recent times, but... 15 goals conceded in 26 games so far. That is as good as it gets, really. I oh, know defensively it's been fantastic. You know, like it's an effort from everybody. But you know, you look at like so Kane Bolger and Tomas and Sean Wamp has been a you know fantastic signing. You know, I don't think a lot of people in the Irish league circles really knew much about Sean whenever he he came over from Hamilton and him and you know Kane together. That's probably you would argue you know the the strongest two and. Then having guys like Albert Watson, Graham Kelly, you know, who at the minute, you know, aren't aren't in the starting eleven. They're great guys to have. I know that the guys take pride in clean sheets. You know, I've seen it. Can't I can't remember off my head what who it was against. There was a game earlier in the year, I think it was three 0 up going in the stoppage time and conceded a goal and you know, the likes of Kane, I think Albert was on the pitch at the time, Rowan Ferguson, they were absolutely devastated, like fuming with themselves. And you know, right, they even though it was a, a three one win, I think it was, they were they were in that dressing room and, and were fuming, you know. So I think that that really plays a big part in that there. That even the other night and Friday night against Glenavon, you know, it was three 0 going into that stage, but you could tell like we will not concede. Like a thou shalt not pass kind of mentality from from everybody in the team. You know, from front to back. You know, like the strikers were still chasing boys down and still closing down. You know, 60, 70 yards from their own goal. You know, so it's a kind of like the same way you know people talk about Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool. It, it is a team a team effort defensively all over the pitch, but. Obviously, those the big lads at the back get the, the most of the credit for that. And and big they are. Uh, I don't think I truly appreciated how big Bolger actually is until I yeah. saw him in flesh at some point this season. He is a, a, a big boy. And on top of that, I I'm going to... Him as a header, ever. How Again, could he? No, I'm not even being funny. I'm not even being funny. I don't think I've seen... And I said, I said to some of the guys in the podcast, has he ever, you know, not won a header in training? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> He just he loves it like his, the bloke his doesn't need to jump. Last, one of his first games last year it was Arhus in the conference league. He actually I don't think he's actually lost the two front teeth. Who's the two front teeth you see when he's playing are actually like a, a grill basically. <laughs> he threw himself in front of the shot and just knocked the two of them out. So if you think he's scary with his teeth, you ought to see him without them. <laughs> well, I, and just before we get into some of the games, including yours for this week, a note that you just reminded me that I I now have the chance to accost somebody of this persuasion about. You have a player called Sean Want. His number mm-hmm. is number two. Surely mm-hmm. I want to break free has to be the chant it absolutely has to be the chant i wanted to start chanting i want to break free and i don't even follow the infrareds my friend it's it's been discussed the, the it, name it, and it number, should be but, top of the committee nobody meeting has, nobody nobody has been able to tell me yet did he like is that on purpose did he take number two like because i don't think i don't think he wore number two at hamilton either that's the thing so like i think you know so i don't know is that his number was it the only one that's free but He's actually going to be in one of our podcasts soon, so it's on my list. It's like a few weeks away. It's on my list to ask him, you know, what is 
please tell me like there has you know i'll be really disappointed if there's no story behind that oh, number <laughs> sean one two break free amazing amazing but <laughs> we'll as politeness goes we'll dip into what was a a very regular happily little boring win for you guys disappointing for glenavon it was the debut mm. of jordan stewart but he was not the man that could score or get anything past Lauren as you guys run out 3-0 winners on your ever-so-faithful, friendly, favourite little Friday night. Leroy Miller popped up with two goals, wrapped up with a bow on it with the man in form, Mr. Lee Bonus. You would like to think a few more wins like this and you'll be feeling a lot more better as you go into the split in about six, seven games or so? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, whenever I first, whenever I got the Glenavon team sheet on Friday night, I thought, you know, this is a, a side that could cause us problems, but uh, they didn't really. You know, I don't, I, obviously a lot of that has to go to, to Lauren themselves, but no, Leroy's fantastic. You know, watching him, the runs he makes are just incredible. He's an athlete, he really is, you know, and like, the runs he makes from deep, all of a sudden, you don't see him coming even when you're watching the game, you don't see him coming, all of a sudden he's, you know, six yards out from goal, one arm with a keeper. Like when earth did you come from? You know, it's you, you kind of you almost know teams must know what's coming now, but they can't just can't seem to stop it. <laughs> Mark, it it absolutely infuriates me. I, I was at an away game uh, against your fine cells, and I was just sat there pointing with a few people, and I'm like, "Look at him! Look at this space! Look at the fullback! In it goes!" And he tried it a few times. I'm like. He's doing it again. Yeah. He's doing. He's trying to break from deep because you've yeah. seen you do it against Crusaders. It's the one that I really remember. And the amount of times he breaks from deep, fullback gets it, goes into the space in between the two defenders, in between the D and the end of the box, and he gets it and he smashes. He is a battering ram. Yeah. And you know, if it wasn't for the goal scoring exploits of uh, a one Mister Laurie. I think he is number one best midfielder this season in the league. He has been a dynamo. Yeah, no, absolutely. The runs that he makes on it is between that fullback and centre half. You know, it's a really, mostly that's the area of the corridor of uncertainty. If you want to throw one out a cliche out there, you know, for teams, <laughs> I love a good cliche. <laughs> so I'll, I'll throw one in there. But yeah, it's just, he's just a great, a great player. He, and whenever you've got like the, the forwards that Lauren have, you know, now like the bonus and, O'Neill and Ryan, guys like that, you know, almost like they he kind of somehow still kind of sneaks sneaks under the radar in a way, but he's just he's so hard to hard to stop. You know, whenever you've got you know Fudzer sits in front of the the midfield or in front of the defense, and you know guys like Shea Gordon and Mark Randall and everyone in midfield who are you know who are there almost. He said this himself. You know, I've spoken to him before. They're the guys. He said to me, "Oh, they they make me look a good player." And I'm like, "Wow, well, I don't know if it'd be." be that far you know but they give him that sort of creative role to kind of just go room room where he wants it's pretty devastating when he does it it's a really interesting team lauren because you are very how can i say this you are very structured in the way you, you play in regards to the wing backs and the way you create width while also exploiting the middle and the two strikers how they kind of like that you're you're quite unusual compared to other teams. Your your three at the back, kind of five in defence. You could I can really see what you can do. What what it might lack is maybe a bit of versatility when things aren't going well. But it's clearly effective. You're top of the league, and one aspect of it, or one cog, unfortunately, and I'm sure somebody will go down as an absolute club legend. I should reference that. Uh, sadly, Jeff Hughes announced his early retirement from the game. He picked up an injury against Portadown, I believe. Portadown, and yeah. It looks as though yeah, I was there that night. It was a rough one. He, he was going to retire at the end of the season by all accounts, but this unfortunately has ended it for him and he is... Uh, saying goodbye on his own terms. Yeah, absolutely. and we actually have uh, the club. The next club podcast is going to be with Jeff. We're recording with him tomorrow. Funny enough, a great, a great player, a great guy. You know, and like everyone's saying, you know, to become, you know, come from Lauren initially, then you know, go across to England, be pro, but then to come back, kind of just at the beginning of that resurgence. You know, like you couldn't, you couldn't have written anything like that. You know, for him to sort of lead, he really led the club in that. I suppose what you call like the first stage of. You know, getting promoted from the championship and, and establishing, you know, and, and a great player too. Chances were he probably was going to retire at the end of the season anyway, but still, like, 
a professional who will do a job. At, I've seen him play centre half. I've seen him play fullback in midfield. You know, holding midfield, attacking midfield. You know, he does a job. He could do a job wherever. So no, it's, it's a shame that almost the injury forced him into it earlier. He will be remembered from at least my perspective when it comes to his connection with the Irish League as uh, one of the real key staples of. Uh, Mark II uh, of the brand new Lauren experience, the likes of Donnelly and, and McDade. I know these all came at, at different parts, but I, I think uh, him coming in here, Hughes coming into the team, spending the, the last few years of his career to establish that, that the club and be a real leader in that team, I, I think is admirable. And uh, I'm sure uh, he will forever be seen as a hero through the ever-expanding eyes of uh, the Lauren faithful. No, absolutely. And like I think, I don't know what the plans are for in the future, but I'd, I'd be surprised if this is the last we saw of Jeff Hughes around Lauren. Um, I don't know exactly what his role will be, but um, I'd say he'll still be, we'll still be seeing Ryan Inver Park family, I'm sure. Everything was rosy uh, for Lauren on Friday night, but when it came to Saturday, they had other teams set to battle it out in the top six coliseum no other game had your interest more at 3 p.m on a saturday no doubt was windsor park linfield versus cliftonville probably one of the biggest games of the season up until now bar perhaps that linfield glentorn game maybe in october time where glentorn run rat when it came to what it could mean for the title anticipation all the storylines going into it it just felt like a mega game at the national stadium we know what the result is now but going into it did you have i know you can't get both teams to lose <laughs> but did you have an ideal result in your head thinking for the sake of lauren i would like that to happen please uh, yeah, uh, if, I, if i was being honest you know like i know you said both teams can't lose but at least if they take points off each other that's probably about as, as ideal as you get it. I know that would have technically just inched Cliftonville ahead again at the top. I think for the bigger picture, you know, it would keep now Linfield all of a sudden or right up Lawrence Dale, you know, even closer than they were. So yeah, I probably would have taken a draw, but to be honest, with those two playing, like there wasn't really any, would you say any realistic ideal result for Lauren out of that there, but not to be, unfortunately. It feels like it's not going to be the first game that you're hoping for a draw. And you know what? Usually when these uh, big teams face off against each other, it's stalemate. It's guns at dawn. Ah, we'll take a, a, a draw and that'll do us. Uh, but realistically, and I, I didn't really get to reflect on this enough last week, I think this was such a vital game for Linfield. They come out without the three points here and they're either a stalemate and they remain that big gap between themselves and, and the chasing pack. They lose, Cliftonville are laughing, but they win, they pull it back, they dig in, and I think that is a massive result for Linfield. As I've reflected before, Linfield are the, I haven't got my updated table, but they were at least the worst team when it comes to head-to-head -head record against the top six. They clearly needed to. They clearly need to change that. This game doesn't change that at all for them moving forward. Massive three points. Big performance from them. It doesn't completely throw away Cliftonville, but it makes it all tighter at the top of the table. Let's go there. Massive news. It feels as though this was a rumour based on just laughs and giggles and Twitter memes, but it's happened Kyle Lafferty is playing in the Irish League and he could not be welcomed in the league with two bigger games in a row. He started on Saturday. He had a few little moments, but I know this is in the same calendar year where Niall McGinn is currently playing over in East Belfast, but as someone that followed Northern Ireland, there is something about this that feels a bit bonkers, isn't it? I know he's 35, but this still feels a bit... What is this? I mean, he's obviously seen what he's done for Northern Ireland and, and everything like that. But I, I remember as soon as he left Kilmarnock, I heard the rumours, oh, he'll come back to Linfield. And it's almost like, yeah, yeah, okay, I, whatever, yeah. And then I have a blue, all of a sudden, like, there he is standing there holding a blue scarf. And I was like, really? Uh, actually, you know, it actually happened. But, yeah, he's... Obviously, you've kind of seen what... You know, we know what he can do for Northern Ireland. We know that he'll be a, 
a real nuisance of a striker, you know, as as he always is. And you could see that, you know, watching the highlights from um from Saturday. I think he had a header that sort of, that didn't really trouble the keeper in the end, but that kind of Kyle Lafferty movement, you know, he just he seems to lose defenders really well. Um so I've said before I've been to the Northern Ireland games for years, I've seen him do it so many times. Uh, you know, that kind of almost takes like a, a back step away from an ender as a ball comes in, makes makes himself space. Um so yeah, he could be he'll be a he'll be a real handful, I think. Yeah, I think he already was on Saturday, but I think going forward he could be a real handful. There has to be some sort of is there such thing as pitch muscle memory? Like the amount of massive goals yeah. he scored at Windsor Park. Is it almost like a, a simulator where it's like, well, here I am again. This is one of the grounds where I scored a significant amount of my goals. I think it's fair mm. to reflect that he has been bouncing around. I think many North Island fans will know this. I don't think I could name you all the random teams and leagues that he ended up playing for over the past five, eight years. He's now here in the Irish League, short term, signed till the end of the season, bit of a prove it deal. Uh, you know, he, he comes with a lot of external baggage, it's fair to say, but I, I'm fascinated to see what he can do on the pitch because he's coming into the league after playing, you know, a significant amount of games recently this season at a real top level of Scottish football. So he comes in, what can we do? We've seen Niall McGinn come in and after a, can you call it a shaky start after one game where he doesn't... Yeah you know, score loads of goals, but he he has come in and he's really shown his skill, his composure and his ability. You know, no one expected Cal Lafferty to, to bang in five goals in his first game, but he does have, uh, he does have a bit of pressure, I think, from the Linfield fans. Goals is clearly something they've been lacking. I think I heard a stat there that if you counted the last, whatever it is, four, five, six seasons, it's not like he's been pulling up daisies at these leagues, but you said it, he has the stature. He has the experience. He had the ability, at least, in a lot of other leagues. Can he bring it here? And and if he is sitting there parading the Gibson Cup... Don't, don't speak into existence. Doing laps around Windsor. Another great memory at Windsor for him. He will feel like it was all worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I think you said that at the start, it's a prove-it deal, you know, and end the season, you know, and like, it's realistically, it's not it's not that long a deal. You know, it's effectively what three four months he's got at, at Linfield to kind of go out there and be like, right, what can you do? You know, and you don't have time. He doesn't have time to kind of feel his way into it. You know, like he has to hit the ground running. As you say, I think he will feel that pressure because obviously McGinn, you know, being at Glentoran, he's had a good start. But you know, you would say Kyle Lafferty now is probably the most recognizable name and they're playing to the casual ball fan. Especially, you know, maybe people who only follow Northern Ireland and don't really follow the local game, you know, they go, but all of a sudden Kyle Lafferty's playing the Irish League. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure on him. You kind of think, right, come end of the season, where does he go from here? He says 35 now. I actually was on his Wikipedia the other day because I was thinking, where on earth has he been? I had the same thought as you going right where. I remember he was in Turkey. He's been in Italy a couple of times. You know, it's he's like one of those, uh, have you seen those like footballer Wikipedia page quizzes on Twitter? It, like his would be an absolute... You know, be an absolute perfect one for that. So, yeah, he has. He has to. I think that's the thing. He'll feel the pressure. He's obviously, if he plays as well, he could as well as he can do. He'll be one of, if not the best striker in the league. But he has to do it like now. <laughs> Mark, if I sat, if you had not looked that recently, and I told you, well, of course, he had that brilliant season in two thousand nineteen when he won the Slovenian top league. You'd be like. Yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. So it sounds, <laughs> sounds, sounds about right. Uh, you know, <laughs> so uh, it's what what a what a eclectic career he has had, and is um a welcome star value name to the league, you must say. And and I want to go back to something that perhaps I've said before. This signing and other signings like McGinn and you know, like the Jeff Hughes we were talking about previously before. I remember when they were bringing up this document about the quote-unquote All-Island League and they were bringing up all these stats. There's a, there a detailed document that was produced saying this is why it's going to do well, and this is where the TV money's go, and this is what happens in other similarly-sized countries, etc., etc., etc. And the one thing they highlighted was that you will see if the league gets better and you have multiple full-time teams and you're getting the attendances up, you will see 
legends of your national team or big players you used to play in the league come back. You're talking Vincent Company going to Anderlecht at a really small level. You've seen it in the League of Ireland. Damien Duff played in the League of Ireland. You know, big international players coming to the Irish League to play out some of the final years of their career seems like something that never really happened. Yes, we've had the Roy Carrolls and we've had Klingon and Gillespie's and all type of stuff. But to have McGinn and Lafferty, I guess it, it's amazing how 2016 really is close to seven years ago now. But to have these people come back and go, I'm not going to play for Kidderminster Harriers. I'm going to play in the Irish League. That's positive. Mm-hmm. That's, and I think that it also shows you where the league can go, what the future of it is can be. Uh, is sustainable? Uh, I don't know. We talked about that last week. However, on the pitch, disappointing result uh, for mm-hmm. Cliftonville and what a strange goal. Linfield had their chances, but the goal that actually came from, brilliant ball from midfield, out wide. Was it Cooper, perhaps, who was running onto or Miller? Brilliant breakaway, gets the ball and then just slides it down, low ball. And I mean, it must have been four or five Cliftonville defenders. I'm sure they all thought maybe I'll throw a boot on it, but it just skidded past them inches away. And then there was Clark to slam it in. Huge result for Linfield and uh, a rather little tasty run to get the goal in. Yeah, yeah, as I said earlier, you know, those sort of games like Linfield, Cliftonville, it was always going to be, you know, like, Two teams not quite playing for the draw, but you know it's gonna be tight. I think it was was it was it Clark or was it an own goal? I'm not even sure who it came off. A scrappy goal anyway, for about what two yards out. That poor Cliftonville goalkeeper was scrabbling on his knees to try and get get to it like he felt for him. But <laughs> uh, Matthew Clark made it. I think it might be going to Chris Lowe, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just one of those. You, you gamble, you create your opportunity. If you're a Cliftonville fan, yard box, these things, these things can happen. You just never know. You just never know who is going to come off, where they're going to put it, what they're going to do. You know, you put it six yards out from goal, and it's panic station sometimes. You know, and it's just, it's an unfortunate one. But having seen you know, watch back the highlights of the game and everything, then Faded probably had the better chances. I can't remember who it was. There was a free header from about the penalty spot, and they managed to put it way over. And think that's yeah, you know you got to be at least. I was saying you got to got to work the keeper, but like that was, it was poor, you know. And Lafferty had his chance, and probably you could say from what I saw, and I wasn't there, didn't see all of it, but you could probably say Linfield edged it, you know, or probably deserving of three points. That seems to be the general the general consensus from it. But um, even in terms of attendance wise, I saw that Linfield had to open up, you know, the cup for extra tickets and everything. So you're talking about Lafferty earlier, you know. That's that's the sort of impact they'll have. Paying for himself yeah. already and other cliches put them here. Uh, that uh, <laughs> loss for Cliftonville still leaves them second. Linfield now a point behind them. Top three. Lorne having played one game less than both these teams. Sitting on top 56. Better goal difference. Brilliant goal difference compared to Cliftonville. Uh, on 56. Cliftonville also at 56. And Linfield are there on 55 points. With of course Lauren having a game in hand we'll skip crusaders for now and go to corain and glen torn tasty little one this too all comes from that game and whatever it was october november we'll not go into the details of what actually went down but convict menemen scored a great goal uh it was unbelievable he made his proper big return what a highlight real goal there uh he must have thought he won it but there was matthew shefflin making up for that absolutely horrendous penalty miss. I know he missed against Cliftonville in the cup was that a week prior, but just that that ball still travelling. It was so high. It was like a rugby conversion. Everything you don't want to do a penalty, he did it. No, uh, he went from the school of me when it comes to taking penalties and five aside. <laughs> but look at Shevlin and that goal. This is what I'm talking about. This why for me he is the most exciting, the most dangerous attacker in the league. Nobody else latches onto that ball. No other striker, forward, midfielder is able to wiggle themselves around, stick to that defender, get into the space to just swing and hook and get his foot onto that ball to get that goal. This man makes miles out of inches. 
He he fights, he battles, and he he's always on the last man usually. But this is where he feasts and he gets goals. It's another draw between two top six teams. Both will feel somewhat disappointed not to get the points. Both of them really needed those three points. But if you're Coleraine, McMenamin with the rocket of a goal to pull that back, that has to feel like a win on that afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. You're talking about Shevlin. Like he somehow still everything you said about him bang on, like but he somehow still never really know what he's gonna do, where he's gonna pop up. He's a bit of everything. He's kinda of got the, the old school striker, but also the modern striker about him. You know, he's got a bit of everything, you know, he can do the you know, he's gonna be dangerous. Obviously apparently he's gonna be a bit of work, but you know, anytime you've got him. Even touch on the attendance, I think it was three and a half thousand. You know, like the place was absolutely wonderful. You know, like I would say an alarm of the Friday nights, but you know, a, a three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday afternoon, packed out a wind, all the Glentoran flags. I'm a, I'm a sucker for a, a flag, you know. So, and then the Korean then so full. Like I said, but at the start, you know, like top six, if any of them come out on top at the end of the season, you, you'd probably shrug your shoulder and go, yeah, fair enough. While it looks as though the title charge it seems beyond them both just even if they have a big late run it's going to be very difficult to try and get other teams to lose points for them to get enough these two look mega dangerous going into this potential european games well they're pretty much guaranteed to have the european playoff games but again all these teams are looking dangerous a team that i was in love with for a while crusaders do what they do. They win at home against a bottom six side. They look sharp. They're able to mix it around. Jordan Forsyth, the penalty. Adam Leckie and uh, and, and Heatley getting on the score sheet. A quick double uh, between those two that I just mentioned. And I just don't know where Crusaders will shake out. They've probably stepped on too many banana skins to really charge now for the title to get their teeth in and start mixing things up but they could really wreck the aspirations of a few others they just are formidable at home yeah no they, they really are they're such a as you say crusaders like they, they kind of just have slipped in there you know anyone noticing they're so strong and like whenever they whenever they are have like themselves set their task they're still that big physical side but they can play too you know, so as you say, probably maybe have, you say, slipped up enough times that they can make a full-on run, but, you know, nobody's going to play Crusaders going down the stretch. No, no one will want to play Crusaders at all, particularly away from home. And look, I say that they're out of it. They're they're four points off you guys, but it feels like every time they're, like, close and, and could do it, they, they slip mm-hmm. behind. I, I would say up with Corey, and they're probably the best coach side in the league, and that's probably why yeah. they have these moments where they can really rise to the occasion, but sometimes they lack the energy, they they lack the, the, the fortitude to really grind out results. They don't have the same squad depth that others have, but 1-11 they are... Uh, super super dangerous and looking strong they will still be dreaming and they have enough dangerous players from Forsyth we all know what Laurie can do Hitley is still that magician that they have out wide you don't know who can bundle in up top for them so it will all be really key moving forward a result though as we just quickly stay on Saturday that will feel disappointing for a team that needs points for a different reason uh, Balamina and Portadown Stalemate at nil-nil. I saw Alberto Balde absolutely balloon the ball over the over the bar when he had his chance in the box. Portadown looked like they're getting a, a bit more form. They're getting better in the build-up play. Balamina didn't really seem to have much chances in that game. Uh, but with them being only 12 games between now and the end of the season, yes, uh, when it comes to Portadown, they'll have plenty of opposition to take points off people around them. They are running out of games, and it's difficult to say at this part of the season that uh, a game against Balamina away should be a must-win, but they need to be getting points from somewhere. And a nil-nil might have felt better earlier on in the season. Right now, with the chances it seems as though they had, they had a, they had a ball cleared off the line Balamina didn't really seem up to it 
it could be these five margins which sees them relegated automatically unfortunately yeah um as you said Portland came in really a couple of weeks ago and like they honestly they weren't a bad side i would say they aren't weren't at their best that night still got a 2 0 win but they you know i, I honestly think had now curry been there in the start of the season you might not have seen them in the position they're in i almost think that he's nearly started too too much of a you know a bad start behind him to get you know to get going again but no they're another team that they have some useful players on that side now you know as that almost like for a while I almost think right are you whenever the curry was appointed you kind of think right are you preparing for championship next season to try and bounce back like are you almost resigned to your fate but no they honestly that that night at Inver Park you know they did not they don't look like a side that's completely just down and out you know, they definitely they threw they put themselves about. There's some useful players in there. You know, he's made some good signings in January. Some of his ex Dundella boys joining him. You know, there's experience in that team. One thing I would give them, and you kind of touched on it there, is they're a little bit blunt up front. But games against Balmina, um, they definitely you say that they'll probably be disappointed not to take three points. Yeah, you know, like Senuri and Dungan ahead of them aren't aren't really pulling away from them. So I wouldn't I wouldn't rule them out just yet. Tough to see where Balamina's season goes from here. The board have talked about talked about last week. They are cutting their cloth. How that impacts the squad for the rest of the season. Morale, they're they're stuck in this limbo of not gonna be in the top six. They're battling for the seventh place, which you would have to say no matter who gets a seventh place, it would be a miraculous run for them to to get the European slot. So it's like 12 games, what are they going to do? Are they going to see themselves get beaten by the bottom side, Porter Down, or what they didn't on the weekend? But, you know, could they see similar teams go up there and do the business? Do they, you know, are they going to be pushing to get the wins? Are they going to have the energy knowing that they're safe, but they have a tiny glimmer for uh, somewhat of a card on the stick? An interesting team to keep our eyes on in the short term. But also uh, in the long term, looking at that squad, uh, I think this could be a absolutely fascinating summer for Balamina. And we've seen uh, the weird mix-up of a summer that Portadown had last season. You know, will Balamina learn from that? And, and how will they bring people in? How will they rebuild? A team, I think, that needs a bit of rebuilding. How will they rebuild this summer when pennies could be tight? Finally, uh, a team at the bottom who would have been aiming to get a result there, but they didn't. Nuri City, they are on the wrong end of a 2-0 scoreline at home against Carrick Rangers. Big props to uh, ex-man of the parish, Ben Tilney. Love seeing him play. He uh, was the man that really created the 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 ball he was the man that delivered the cross did the run i think slammed it was their foot two no win for carrick rangers disappointing for nuri but carrick keep up their own little top seven credentials there with a win i think carrick are the ones really to watch out for you know they obviously took points off at, at Inver on boxing day they've beaten linfield this season you know they're they're a useful side you know like so andy is still so well thought of at Inver. You talk Ben Tilney, McGuckin, you know, there's a there's got to be a useful side there popping up in that seventh spot at the end of the season. I don't think you could you could begrudge them that at all. We've done games, we've done a bit of stuff about lore. Let's head up some of the news that we didn't get the chat to. First things first, we were talking about Jeff Hughes retiring, but uh, as announced on social media on Sunday night, was it? Uh, very strange, very sudden. Not really quite sure what the background is to it. Not that it really matters to us or is uh, relevant uh, to us as fans of the league. But uh, tour defender Patrick McLean has announced his retirement from football. Uh, he's 26 years old, um, uh, has been a part of the Glentoran team for a number of years, won the Irish Cup in 2020 with them, and has been a real rock for them, and has been a key factor earlier on the season in that amazing uh, goalless run that other teams had against them, him with uh, Aidan Wilson there. So uh, we don't know uh, what this really will will, will mean long term. Uh is he going to stay out of the, the, the game for, for good? Is this a, a momentary stepping away? 
yes, uh, surprising, uh, but was no doubt an excellent player in the league. Yeah, only 26. I got, I mean, same age as me, and I would count myself being in my prime, you know, but um, he's the type of guy that he was in your team, you absolutely love him, but when you're against him, you just come up against him, you know, and just a real hard, you know, old school defender. He always using that word, but real hard defender. Um, and yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Glen Torn will, will definitely miss him, and he says he's in will probably never know, but he's maybe just, you know, dear as why, but yeah, but a little bit out of the blue. All the best indeed, uh, I'll echo that on his future endeavours, whatever he ends up uh, getting up to. Uh, another bit of news which just missed us last week, Niffle are making a change. They've announced there last week that they are mixing up the post-split fixture sequence. This was something that's been talked about briefly over the past few years, but I I must say this topic was discussed significantly online. I'm not saying Twitter is real life, but there really was a lot of discord maybe two, three weeks ago uh, from some real prominent personalities who discussed the league, massive fans of the league, Talking about why is it that first player second in the first round, can we mix it up? Um, I even put forward a few questions, just saying, what's the plan here? What's going on? And uh, I, I, I didn't get an answer. And now we all have a big answer what they're going to do. They're changing it up. So no longer is first v second. I know that's a fixture we always highlight. Is being played first or match day 34, if we're being fanatic about it. They're now set the face off against each other on the penultimate game. I pretty much love everything about this and I'm glad that the league either reacted to fan feedback, they took on, they listened to what was going on, they were able to change, regardless if fan discussions played a role in this or not, because clearly just because a bunch of people on Twitter and online said it's a good idea doesn't mean Niffle should bend to their whims. But I think there was absolutely a growing want for this change. And I think the thing that stands out to me, nothing that we have here uh, when it comes to football in this country is set in stone. Nothing is decreed in a tablet of stone. And it can all change. Good, bad or different, depends on your opinion. But if we want change and we respectfully put forward our point of view, I'm glad to see that Niffle are open to it, regardless to however they came to this decision. You say they're willing, it's good to even say they're willing to change things, you know, give give some other things a go. Um, if nothing else, it's um, spoken to people maybe who aren't, we don't follow this league, and you know, you say, "Oh, the post-split fixtures," and you go, "What?" And you go, "Oh, yeah." You have to you have to explain the whole the whole concept, but uh, yeah, as you say, whether whether it turns out they're good and different, it's it's good to see they're they're willing to try these things, and whether it was public pressure or whether it's you know feedback and engagement, whatever way you want to put it, it's nice to see that they're at least trying something new. The reason why, if some people are thinking, maybe it's it's pretty clear and obvious why first and second, you'd think, why not put them on last? If you put them on second last, it means that there is a chance that it almost increases the chance that some teams who were favoured three, four game weeks beforehand can still be in it on the last day. You know, if you are second and you are six points off, you have the chance to turn it around, you know. Meanwhile, if you are six points behind going into the final game, well, it doesn't really matter because... The title's already won and this game yeah. is big. So it's it, it is actually perfect placement for that. Love it. I would almost because I was him and Han, because I I asked Niffle and I said, Would you be open to the idea of like a drawing of fixtures every I'm sure that doesn't really make sense when it comes to actually placing games, but you know, could you randomize yeah. this? But actually the way it goes, I think I know I'm I'm getting caught up in first here, but you know, first be fifth, then third, then fourth, second, and then sixth. I, I think that's that's fair enough. I think first v second being the penultimate game is the most important thing. I'm like it. Glad they're changing it up. Happy days all round. If it's extra drama involving Lauren, it means win the title. I'm all for it. But uh, I might just have to take a few uh, 
few extra tablets before that one there, if, if that's going to be the case. Before we get into the games that are happening over the next seven days or so, uh, I want to add something in slightly new. Look, uh, if you're undecided, no problem at all, but this was suggested by uh, somebody who messaged me, a uh, good, loyal fan of all things Irish League, good spot, Stu Will. He suggested to me the idea of when we're having people like yourself, be a journalist or a commentator or, or club media, we have all these big debates. And there's probably little minor ones that we can start talking about. And I really want to nail down over the next couple of months to a year in this podcast what, what we need to come to the fore so that we can somewhat put these ideas to the test. But as a little bit of a straw poll, I've got very quick questions. For yourself, personally, where do you stand on the big debate of summer football? Oh, um, now I would be a follower of Ireland as well, and watching watching the game sitting in the in the summer sunshine, your shorts and t-shirt is pretty nice. I think the thing that we could bring it down, and I wouldn't be so keen on, is I think you'd have it wouldn't just be Irish League that have to change; it would have to be a massive overhaul of the whole football system in Northern Ireland. Because so over here, you'd at least have to have I think Premiership and Championship to play summer football, and then. Obviously, a lot of the talk about summer league here comes whenever there's, you know, games postponed or, you know, bad weather at game. You know, then there's the old the old sticking point of Boxing Day. So, yeah, maybe that sounds like too much fence sitting there. I don't know, but um, I can absolutely see its benefits. As a supporter, follower of a full-time team in this league, are you as agnostic about the All-Ireland question or All-Island I like question? the idea. I remember the Satanta Cup a long, you know, it seems a long time ago now, but... I like the idea of that. Obviously, you've got teams from here in Wales who play in you know, the SPFL, you know, Trust Trophy or whatever different name it has now. <laughs> but I like the idea of a Satanta Cup, almost like a top four versus top four. And all in the league, I'm not so sure because I think, to be honest, your lower clubs in League of Ireland, maybe, you know, obviously you get the odd ones like Finn Harps and UCD, who maybe more wouldn't quite be as strong, um, you know, whatever. But I think you would find a bigger discrepancy perhaps between lower clubs in League of Ireland and Irish League and that's no discredit to clubs here but bigger you know more play- more places bigger cities more players to choose from I think you could see some of the smaller clubs in here kind of getting lost in amongst all that um, I t- definitely like an, all- an All-Ireland Cup I wouldn't be against you know even if it was like a Satanta Cup format um, but I-, I wouldn't be so sure in an all- All-Ireland League um, just from the point of view of of competitiveness, so to speak. Right, I read my stats. I know some of you guys are listening to this on Thursday or something like that, which means some of these games are come and gone, but we will reference them. We're going to bash them in, so we're going to fire through these games really quickly. We're going to talk about them in, in a big troll of Tuesday and Saturday together. Guests go first, as always. Lauren go away to Sagmore Park on Valentine's night, and they also then... Host Cliftonville. Woo! That's a big O on Saturday. I don't know if you know how to play on Saturdays at 3 o'clock, but I'm sure you'll get used to it. Is that four points minimum or what needs to happen from those two games? Because Swiftser are not doing brilliantly recently, but they can be tricky, particularly against the top six at home. Yeah, I think we put it right. It has to be minimum four points there. Um you know, it's no disrespect to Dungan at all. Um, but recently, you know, there's been games like Uria where drop points. You know, I spoke to some of the players; they were quite frustrated about that. Um, you know, just about they're creating the chances, but just weren't finishing them. It was good to see more goals against Glenavon last Friday night. Um, you know, so I think a good and again, I says no disrespect to Dungan because I know these can be they can be tough to break that especially at home. But yeah, that's. That's got to be three points because I think if it's not and you go into Cliftonville at home on Saturday and you haven't got that three points and that puts even more pressure in that game, you know, and by next week, all of a sudden things could change drastically. So, yeah, I think it's got to be a minimum of four points starting with three on, on Tuesday night. Could be a firecracker on Saturday. What what do you think you'll play? How do you match up against Cliftonville? Because Cliftonville have like this flying V. You have five at the back. And at times, Cliftonville have about five coming at you with a main striker, the heels on either side, McDonough on the other, more. It's 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 like they play along that line and they can rip teams apart. Styles make fights. Is this a good style matchup against Cliftonville at home or 
Is it a score the goal, batten down the hatches? Um, I wouldn't like to think so because again, that wouldn't be good for the heart to score a goal and batten down the hatches against Cliftonville. I think you could be, I think you're on a big risk doing that against them because they can catch. You say they're so fast going forward, as good as Lauren have been at the back, Cliftonville will catch quickly. The only downside, I suppose, to the way they play is that sometimes they can be caught out themselves. You know, they do commit a lot of men forward and. Lauren are a good side, you know, to get teams on a counter attack. I, I think it's a good, it's a style match, two very different styles. Lauren at times was it's very methodical, and then it's that killer strike, you know, whether it's Leroy Miller going through the middle or, you know, Lee Bonner. Yeah, how how big would you say Cliftonville's corridor of uncertainty is? <laughs> oh, what what are we measuring in here? <laughs> oh, let's let's call it uh, hectares, eh? That's how many how many Leroy Millers will you will you fit in between? Uh, McDonough and I don't know Concoats. There's usually there's about five. Hopefully more than usually one. Usually there's about five Leroy Millers in the pitch. I said this to him before. I was like one one second you're there and one you're minute up here and thinking is he have a twin brother? So yeah, but I think he's you're fitting about three Leroy Millers in there on a good day. This is where I say there'll be loads of goals and then there isn't, but genuinely could be yeah. boogaloo and bonkers. Could they be riding into Inver sitting pretty sitting right? Feels like a a lamb to the. Well, Port it down, go to Solitude. I simply can't be bothered looking up their record, but I doubt Port Down's record at Solitude is even somewhat okay over the past 10 years. I wouldn't imagine so. No, I'll go with that. I know we could be proven wrong, but I wouldn't imagine so. Um, yeah, if Port Down aren't on a game from minute one, that, that, could get, that could get messy quite quickly. Is anything but a win for Cliftonville the shock of the season so far? Uh, ooh. Yeah, you know, like Portadown have been seemingly stuck to the bottom since almost day one. Yeah, I'd say so. That's that's a good shout. I'll give you that one. Or can I raise you Newry shocking Coleraine at Coleraine on Tuesday? It would be a shock, but I think Portadown beating Clifton will be a bigger shock. Coleraine, like I said, are a really good team. Like they are, they have so many ways they can beat you. You know, Glacken, Lynch, Shevlin. Coleraine, I think, are prone to little slip ups, and Newry are. You know, Newry can can cause them sometimes. Yeah, I, I would say if Portadown beat, I would certainly be more shocked if Portadown got a result off Cliftonville than if Newry got one off Coleraine. One of the shocks, I guess, of twenty twenty three so far was how Glenavon were able to take care of business against Crusaders. The last time Crusaders came into Mournview Park, that is a that is a somewhat big game for Crusaders because, like we said, doing. Brilliant bits at home. If you can't do it away from home against a bottom six side, you can't be considered real, real title favourites. Uh, that is a that that is a must win for Crusaders, and they'll want to do better after the score was was close enough in the end. But it was a it was a poor, poor evening. I remember very angry Stephen Baxter after that game uh, and how that ended up, and uh, uh, and of course. The reason why that's a big game than usual for Crusaders is one, they're only four points off top, and two, Glentoran Linfield. Big, big, big time energy. Wow. The Oval. Maybe I'm going to fall off my fiance and go to that game just for the crack because it just seems like it's got to be fireworks. You're, you're a brave man here. I said here. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a big one. Like for a Tuesday night, that's a real big one. Glentorn, you know, that's another one you just can't call it. You know, as much as you know, Linfield are sitting second, Glentorn are sixth. You think oh, Linfield will do the business, but Glentorn getting a lot better really. You know, McMenamin and back and again, the two of them, I think, will cause Linfield a lot of trouble. I really think they will. I think they will as well. I, I think out wide. I th- I Linfield's friends. I'd be really hoping for a Glentorn win there. And I don't often. Oh, I bet I bet you would. I don't, I don't often say that, so put me on the record of saying it. I've said it now, and yeah, what would deal with Glenavon? Yeah, I mean, that's like I said the other night. That's at Inver. Like, like whenever I first saw the Glenavon team sheet, I was kind of like, oh, that's a you know Campbell Fitzpatrick Stewart kind of front three. It was kind of how I think it sort of worked. If not, like Stewart in behind him, but that's your attacking trio. I think McMenamin and McGinn, I know that Saturday was the first time really they've kind of played together, but I think if those two start clicking, that's that's dangerous. A nil-nil does nothing for either team, really. Uh, maybe keeps them field and touching distance where they're currently sitting, but I absolutely agree with you. We talked about styles. 
McMenamin, and McGinn at home at the Oval, somewhat bursting with confidence, keen to give Linfield a bloody nose. This is either McGinn wheeling away with a brace or it's Lafferty poking it in with 10 minutes to go. Uh, yeah. I would favour Glenn Tour in there. Huge, huge game. Uh, the final fixture we haven't talked about on the Valentine's Day uh, block, Cark Rangers against Balamina United. Big factor when it comes to who uh, could be up there when it comes to seventh place. Hard to pick those apart, really. Yeah, uh, I, again, I think I would lean more towards Carrick. Particularly at home. They've taken a lot of points off of, you know, some of the title challengers um, this season. And as you say, Balamina at the minute have gone off the pitch and they're, they're probably safe. You know, you'd be very surprised if they tucked into anything like a relegation battle, but they just seem to be kind of treading water at the minute. Balamina, host Glentorn. Biggest question on Friday night, will it actually go ahead? Not for weather, just because it would be really funny if it was called off. Well, actually, not if there was something really sad that happened, yeah. but like if, yeah. I don't know, a, a microclimate in Balavina <laughs> stopped the game, it would just be funny. That's another. T- that's a tough one. It would be a cursed it fixture. Really is. It really is. It all, as much as, I, as much as I'm back in Glentoran against Linfield, again, that's a, a that's a tough one. You know, it's, it's it just has a Balavina home to Glentoran of slip up right to it, but I, I think Glentoran will have too much fun. Any other league in the world going out, no way a team in sixth could still be challenging. But I, you know, the old phrase, don't let them get hot. Yeah, I think if you if Glentoran start going on a run, especially all those games in hand, you know, it's if they can manage those fixtures, I suppose. But you know, all of a sudden you can be long or Clifton or Linfield, and you're looking just over your shoulder, and there they are, right in your tail again. So it feels like by the next time I'm recording this podcast, it will be a week of celebration or utter despair and sadness for Glentoran fans. Mm. Uh, we bounce yeah. in. It usually seems to be that way. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Ying and well, Yang. One end or the other. A really interesting fixture right now. Uh, Corian go to Crusaders. Tough, uh, interesting week for Corian. Do Are they the ones that finally, well, mm. like Balamina did it earlier on this season, but could Corian dethrone Crusaders at Seaview and start to get their mega run, their required mega run going. I think it's one you could see whoever wins that, as you say, will go on that run. And whoever doesn't, that you know, that this nearly feels like a fork in the road kind of game for both of these teams. It is. Crusaders at home obviously are really a force to be reckoned with, but yeah, they're so honestly that this is making predictions this must be the hardest thing in the world because you'll maybe made a full of very quickly. Mate, I do it every week. Uh, <laughs> I'm the one in cloud makeup right now. Yeah, get out there. I would say a draw on that one. I think I think I I'm seeing, seeing like a one one in uh, that one. Corey can't do another draw. Come on, Corey. Got it, got it. If it's gonna be a draw, it'll probably be entertaining. Uh Linfield host Carrick, absolute must win for Linfield. Will be a massive result that Carrick Rangers can go to the National Stadium and get a win. Late one on Saturday, 5.30, Portadown host Glenavon. The next time you're hearing me, Portadown's future could be looking not bright. It could be a little bit lighter or it could be a what's 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 a really dark place uh glentoran early january uh they they could be living in that little space because if they lose against glenavon i'm sorry but there's somebody clearing their throat yeah there there is yeah yeah uh so massive game for ported on against a rival when you know all the connotations that are connected to those games for for both sets of supporters half five that that could either be the drabbest battling performance from both that is so boring for the neutral or it could be a fascinating game. We were talking about Ballin Carrick that seven spot, you wouldn't you wouldn't be surprised if Glenavon kind of spin to it as well. Um so there's the title above them, there's kind of that last European race, if you want to call it that. I mean Megan said I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, so I would say Glenavon will, will want that one. Glenavon could roll double sixes the whole time and then just a big snack guys at the very end uh yeah mm-hmm. massive game for Porter down what team will glen have and turn up and actually a big big game for the bottom of the league friday night newry host dungannon i saw this fixture at dungannon 
on Boxing Day where Dungannon tore Nuri a new one. Sounds a bit over the top, but they really did dominate Nuri. Dungannon have fallen off slightly. Nuri are picking up better performances, perhaps not big results. Screams a draw, but a win for either one of these teams would be massive. Nuri probably the slight favourites due to home advantage. Yeah, and you're seen a bit of side that flip flop about the match day. You know, one one week they look like a really promising performance, and it goes by the wayside. Any points there, I think that would do do wonders for them to kind of drag them away. Because for a while it looked like it was nailed on, Port down, Dungannon, You know, bottom two. Where now it's not so we're not so guaranteed out there. But I think if if Nuri to win out there, it kind of you know put them away a little bit. So yeah, I, I think I, I'll go with you in that one. I think they'll. And if, because we all remember this, I know you all don't, was it September when Nuri won through a bit of drama about a back pass and scoring the goal? It would be utterly hilarious if something similar to that happened. Again, you know what this league's like. I'm sorry I'm here for the band sometimes, but the storylines are crazy. Mark, what a joy. A debut to remember sir where can people find things they if they liked if they're still sitting here they must not think you're a bad lad i must think i i must hear him speak or tweet about football or other various interests he may have where can people indulge in such niceties niceties yeah we're going niceties um well my twitter handle is real mark strange um i'm also doing a bit of commentary at the minute for flash scores so keep an ear out for that there uh, i'm usually tweeting about what i'm doing brilliant mark Let's do this again sometime soon. If there's a big Gibson Cup floating your way, it'll be sooner rather than later. Sir, a pleasure. Chat to you soon. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate it. I am going to mix it up this week. Good podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Nice to get a bit of Lauren action in. Going through my little book of teams, trying to see who I've got, who I haven't got, who, uh, who needs a bit of love and affection. If you want to show... You know, a bit of love and affection for me. You know how to do it. At Kick a Match on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. But something else. I do other things with my life. One of those things is that I manage and work with a little guitar band, rock band, punk band, called The Wood Burning Savages. I love those boys very, very much. And if you're into rock music, if you're into, like, Biffy or Death My Above or idols yard act those kind of cool bands i think you'll like what these guys are doing uh they won the na music prize a couple of years ago for their debut album stability and they are back brand new single out on valentine's day it's called hand to mouth search the wood burning savages thanks for liking the stuff thanks for checking out the wood burning savages new single see you next week guys thanks <laughs>